everybody and welcome back to the youthscape podcast have you missed us have, have have you missed us because if you're listening to this in chronological order we didn't do a podcast last friday did we because no, we, in we took wisdom, one off yeah I, I haven't introduced you yet sorry my name's rachel gardner and the person that's just spoken is called i'm martin saunders sorry <laughs> do, do you know why i'm all hyper why? Why? Tell me why? I don't want to make you feel uh, any sort of jealousy or invoke oh. any of the other seven deadly sins. But why? Uh, <gasps> my wife has just brought me. Uh, I'm just showing Rachel. You you can't see this because we're looking at each other on screen, but you can see Rachel that my wife has just brought me a latte from a shop. Oh. Oh, and it's not a branded shop, so it's got that really lovely kind of individual, bespoke, local artisan coffee vibe yes. going on. Yes. <gasps> it's sweet. That is sweet. So there's a local, there's a, I think it's a bike repair shop yes. that has remained open. And it has, because um, it's providing an, a, 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 an, yeah, essential an essential service. service. <laughs> but they have a coffee shop in, and what they've been doing oh. is they've been doing free coffees for um, emergency services and things like that. And they seem to have expanded a little bit. And now teachers, and my wife's yes. a teacher, teachers yes. seem to be able to access the lattes. And so I have, for the first time in like eight, nine weeks, I have a proper coffee. Oh. People are listening to this. They're like, that's not a proper coffee. What are you talking about? But I'm telling you, this is a proper it coffee. Is. I'm very it happy. Is. I'm now flying in, off the walls. You are. In first world lockdown Britain, this is like... Oh. <laughs> And, and, okay, so my little kind of first world problems thing. Today I bought baby cucumbers for the first time. <laughs> and the kids sat in the back of the car as we were driving to do the Love Your Neighbour stuff. And they literally, like, had two each in their mouth. Like, nom, 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 nom. <laughs> we just, like, inhaled them. So we're, we're, we're both in our happy places. I remember the whole baby cucumber thing. That was oh, from, like, week and three. Eggs. I it was. <laughs> you couldn't get baby cucumbers. Um, on our um, on our youth group thing <laughs> last week, I I said on YouTube that I couldn't get any eggs, and mystery egg parcels keep appearing at my front door now. Well-meaning, well-meaning parents who don't talk I to each other. That's brilliant. I've now got. I'm now opening a sort of egg supply line. That I can. That I can amazing. now. I can sell eggs. I don't even need to buy <laughs> eggs anymore. <laughs> it is interesting, actually, watching how different things have been in spare, sparse quantity. So now in the, in the Minster, we have probably about a thousand loo rolls. And I took my son and daughter there this morning and they were wearing masks and gloves. So it was all good. Oh, good. We were putting together 300 hygiene packs for students who, um, in our area. And uh, I lost my son and I, and I thought, where is he? Where is he? And then I saw this, part, this huge mountain of loo rolls begin to quiver and he burrowed <laughs> his way right into the middle of them. I mean, it was the best play area he's well, had. It's, it's like soft play, isn't it? That's what we're now going to have to do with the loo rolls because presumably the loo roll <laughs> companies have gone into like overdrive with the production. So they've been producing yeah. far more toilet rolls than anyone ever needs. I mean, I don't want to get personal, but how many toilet rolls does one person go through? Not that many. And now, that many. now the world is full of toilet roll. That's it. And the next wave of being environmentally friendly, because we're all now beginning to wear masks, aren't we? Oh, yeah. It's actually these single-use, you know, environmental nightmare masks. Yes. And that's the next thing, isn't it? Making sure we don't, that we can only we can make, make our own little kind of homemade. You can. Old pants. <laughs> you can make them out of old pants or T-shirts. The tape is already there, isn't Probably it? Probably don't yeah. have one made out of pants. That would look... <laughs> 
you had a pair of pants across your face, that would make you look like a very, like, there'd be something yes. very wrong with you as a person. Quite troubled. Quite yeah, troubled. Very I troubled. Think. Very troubled. <laughs> I think that's an episode of Blackadder, actually, as I remember it. Anyway. It's anyway. Good, it's good that we've started light because I feel like we might not end light. We might end dark. There's a, there's a particular so, we might go down, isn't there, really? So, so it's good that we've had a bit of a laugh together. But, and I'm sorry if you've not been able to get hold of, uh, of a, proper, a proper coffee. Um, I, oh, I don't know when I'll podcast. see my next one. I thought you were saying, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. <laughs> if you signed up for like revisionist history and you got this, I'm sorry. Our tech team would do a brilliant job if they turned up the time for that and they got this. So just to close my very wishy-washy yes. opening, the reason you didn't hear us twice last week, if you are someone who does like to listen to us, is that we did think at the end of last week you needed a bank holiday without us whittling on at you. And we did also just stop and check ourselves and say, okay, we've talked in this podcast a few times about the kind of the mountain of toilet rolls and the mountain of content that is out there. Mm, so we right. thought, actually, let's listen to our own ramblings and mufflings and kind of not put anything out there so we are back with a vengeance um hello we missed you even if you didn't notice that we weren't there <laughs> so we are now week eight and yesterday well as in the weekend just gone sorry we had uh the uh, the news that lockdown is something i'm not quite yeah. sure what it's, it's shifting shifting and the message and the key thing is that the messaging is shifting isn't it which i think is an interesting yeah first first move so it's not stay at home it's stay alert that's right a lot of people don't like the messaging mm. i i've gone into uh i i made an unwise tweet earlier oh you and your tweets like you i've got i do carry some sympathy for the people who are having to make the decisions and i realize there's lots and lots of sticks with which you can hit the people leading the country right now and you're and you probably be quite justified in doing so but the truth is like none of us none of us would want to be even those of us with the greatest delusions of leadership <laughs> none of us would want to be in the position that Boris Johnson and his ministers find themselves no, no. at the moment it is a completely impossible situation we've not seen anything like this for 100 years mm. and um and so i have a I, I sympathy is maybe the wrong word but I don't see the point in just constantly jumping on the back of everything oh, no. these guys do and just trying to find a problem and trying to criticise. And social media is poisonously full mm, of mm. people just trying to tear it down all the time without very much mm. reconstruction going on. And I think sometimes people do that. I don't know what you think about this, Rachel. I think sometimes people do that under the cover of... I'm fighting for the poor, I'm fighting for the oppressed, mm. the people who are being, you know, crushed by this. Those voices often don't come from poor communities. They come <laughs> from, you know, people who like to have opinions online. Mm. And mm. I, I, I just think, I, yes, absolutely. Like, we've got to scrutinise. We've got, you know, but, but just to, to immediately hear the new messaging and say, well, this is stupid, this doesn't make any sense. Mm. I don't know what everyone's going on about. It seems, it actually seems to me quite clear they are moving mm. us from a, um, a sort of very classically conservative position, which is we can't trust anyone, mm. so we're going to tell you all to stay inside, to, yeah. a, to a slightly more liberal perspective, which is, okay, we're going to extend some trust and we're going to trust you to make your own decisions and therefore mm. employ your own sense of vigilance. 
mm. this moment. And so stay alert. People pretending they don't know what it means. I don't think it helps any of us. You know what it means? It means stay two metres apart. I've gone into rant mode. I didn't mean to do that. No, no, I'm not, I do agree. I do agree. With you. It, is, it is a ridiculously impossible situation. And, and it's not like there is a blueprint anywhere out there. And, and each country is so different. And we can learn what we can learn. I, I think if we can, you're, you're absolutely right. And I'm, I'm with you. I think this is not the time to get all kind of antsy. It is the time to say, okay, but, you know, whatever's going on, the best people around the place on this stuff are in a room talking about it. And we don't know who mm. they all are, but actually there are a hundred scientists. So, you know, what, yeah. what, well, the chances of a hundred of them in one room deciding to screw over the nation is really rare. Let's, yes. you know, let's have a little bit of faith and trust. And but what I think was really interesting about Boris is that one of the things that um, we often talk about as youth workers is having the right voice and, and speaking to young people with the right voice. So the three classic voices are um, the parent voice, which mm-hmm. is you do as I say because I'm your parent. Mm-hmm. There's the um, child voice, which is please, please don't smoke weed in the church toilets because then we won't be allowed to like, have our youth group anymore. And it's a really kind of whiny, manipulative voice. Um, but I mean, we don't want to operate either of those voices with teenagers, but the voice we want to operate is the adult to adult. It's the yeah. voice that says, I'm leveling with you. I'm giving you the information, I'm opening my hands and I'm trusting you. And I think, actually, I have to say, I have liked Boris's um, communications because he's absolutely leveled with us. He's Mm. spoken directly to us as adults to adults. He's delivered some pretty tough stuff, like he's said, don't go out. (laughs) Basically, could tell him. But we've managed to hear it because it's been very, and I think that's been quite a a masterpiece, actually. I mean, you might not like his accent, you might not like where he's wearing or where he's sat, but I think his ability to deliver very difficult stuff well, I think, has been quite interesting for those of us that, that communicate with young people that's quite interesting yeah. I've taken it off a tangent there but oh, I do good. agree I do I agree with good. you Martin I think you're right and I think you've got to detach the fact that uh, I I am not a Boris Johnson fan no, I, we know that <laughs> I, I, okay um, and I and I would never have voted for him and I didn't vote for his party but he is the man in power and, and I do think this is a point where that old kind of one Timothy uh, quote about praying for your leaders comes into uh, comes into play. Like, I don't think it's, um, uh, I don't think it's simplifying it to say mm. we have to, we have to pray for mm. those who are making the tough decisions at the moment. Mm. And if you absolutely, uh, this is the thing. If you absolutely are doing that, if you absolutely are adopting the position of prayer first mm. and saying, God, I pray for Boris Johnson and his team. And I pray that you will help them. If you're doing that first, then fine come out and criticize and come up with constructive solutions but let's not fall into the trap of just sniping um, because mm. that's not helping anybody it's not helping anyone and they're not listening to you anyway we're just all listening to each other and just putting each other in a bad mood that's right absolutely absolutely but it would be worth chatting about what does happen next because i think it weirdly as has it has with the whole way through any crisis you sort of move from one aspect of it to the next with very little fanfare and you suddenly realize oh oh actually we're now oh we're actually now looking at 
the possibility of schools reopening and we don't quite know what that will mean so I think it'd be good to, to talk about that because we've kind of got to the point that we said I wonder what it'd be like when we get to that point yeah um, but we don't quite know but there's some talk isn't there about staggering different ages of children going back to school at different times and I yes. suppose this being a podcast about young people our big question is about young people's mental health, about yes. their well-being, about their education, about them being in school, and and how high on the priority list will they be yeah. in terms of this kind of response? So, what, so you're you're a daddy of a teenager and a youth worker. How's it yeah. landing in your house? Well, that the um, so my children are in year seven and year nine, and so we haven't heard anything about them yet. So the the two years that that think they're probably going to be getting some school. Uh, time between now and the summer holidays are year 10 and year 12 um, because obviously they they want the people who are going to be taking exams next summer to have some contact time with their teachers um, before the summer holidays so they've said that and I think what we've all read into that is okay that that probably means probably means that other school years aren't going to get much if any time in school before the summer I think with social distancing anyway they're going to be looking at bringing them in in groups uh, smaller groups anyway. So I, I, I presume even a huge school would only have room for one or two years. Um, so that that's pretty tough on young people because I think up till now, they've sort of, as, as we've said before, they've had the six weeks, that's sort of familiar. Um, and then they're, they're waiting for this first announcement. And now they're suddenly thinking, hang on, this is now opening up into like 18 weeks or something like that before yeah. we're going to actually see each other in school again. Um, and, uh, and we, we did a little straw poll with, um, our young people, uh, about what's the thing they're missing the most and actually school came out on top. Yeah. Um, and so they are, you know, that's the thing that they're, they're, they're struggling without. And now they're being told they're not going to get it. And so I do think we, we now are going to get a delayed mental health reaction with a number mm. of young people. I think some young people who've been okay up till now won't now be okay. And we might, in the very next few days, start to see the signs of that. And I think with our young people, uh, whichever young people we have in our, in our orbit, I think we need to be, keep an eye out for that and be actively checking in on young people. Because I think the answers to the question, how are you doing, how's this all feeling, is going to suddenly shift for a number of young people in the next week or two. Yes. Um, yes. So I think we do need to keep an eye out for that. That's very well said. A bit of a chasm that's opened up. And I guess as well, it's, it's the systemic relationships as well, isn't it? I know that today, I, the, the, the thought for me of having both children at home for 18 more weeks without any of the normal yeah. support network in place, it d- does make me feel like I'm on the edge of a little bit of a precipice. And so teenagers are also in households with adults who will be processing this. And so you've got, even if a young person themselves is not themselves feeling necessarily about it, they, they're in an environment where it's just, again, heightened panic and heightened anxiety and uncertainty around jobs so I think you're absolutely right just checking in and um I suppose one of the things we have talked about a lot isn't it is the National Youth Agency trying to plot these young people and 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 that that makes it a whole lot harder doesn't it when nobody's sort of back in the structures where we can get to young people all the schools workers listening to this saying well we're ready to do this but if actually schools themselves you know because schools might be open to a few year groups but I doubt any schools workers are going to be allowed back in that space unless they're supporting the students so it is it is opening up a sort of real uncertainty about what we can do there it is going to get harder to track young people because uh we are seeing a gradual shifting of people getting back to work and so there'll be a lot of teenagers who will have been at home with parents 
And uh, I would imagine a lot of working parents who've got teenage children will now leave their teenage children at home alone all day. So that's a, that's potentially a huge issue because you've suddenly got, you know, lots of young people who are left unsupervised for Mm. eight, 10, 12 hours every day. Mm. Um, And I think that, that will be, that'll be quite a widespread thing. The other thing I was thinking was um, if you're almost any other group in society, not every group, but most groups have heard their names mentioned, you know? So, you know, children are getting mentioned a lot, teachers and key workers and dustbin men and, you know, all these different people are getting name checked mm. in speeches, adults who are at work, uh, the elderly, the elderly. The vulnerable, yeah. uh, all those people. Nobody's talking about young people in any speech. Young people just don't get mentioned. You, you might have... Uh, you know, young people who are going to be going back to, uh, who are, who are going to be sitting exams. That's about mm-hmm. it. Otherwise they're not mentioned. So the message they're hearing from that is we're not important. We're not valuable. No one's thinking of us. And on top of that, then their parents may have to go to work to bring in an income and they are left at home. Now, what, mm-hmm. what is that going to do to the, to the emotional well-being of a generation of young people? Mm. Oh, that is such a massive question. I suppose probably we could probably slightly stretch that for the 18, 19, 20 year olds who are kind of the, mm. the uni student age as yeah. well. Because it is, it is a, it's a, you're absolutely right. It's a segment of the population that nobody quite knows what to do with unless you call them labels like they're the ones sitting in GCSEs or they're yeah. the students. Outside of those formal education titles, they don't really have an identity or a voice. You're right. Well, who's advocating? And often they are advocated around very specific things. So there's like knife crime or young people who are teenagers who are migrants or some, there'll be an, another thing tagged to it. Mm. Whereas actually young people, by the nature of being adolescent, are brilliant, beautiful, powerful, and they have a vulnerability packed into that. Mm. Um, I, that's such a good question. I've not really thought about it. I came at it from a slightly different angle because I was thinking, um, I read on, on somebody's tweet, again, about children, but saying psychologists are suggesting that when children go back to school, teachers prioritise playing, not work. And I, and I did extrapolate from that and think, well, for adolescents who are, we, our concerns for them with an online digital world is, Will they lose the capacity to be able to have interpersonal relationships? And so actually, if now even more their worlds are getting narrower and they are literally being, you know, they have to be in the space that we're all slightly concerned about, that's a generation mm. who are not being exposed to the freedom and the kind of the carefree, you know, the world is your oyster, just spend the entire day out in the fields or the housing estates, you know, running free. Then now they are, this is a new lockdown for a whole generation. Generation. And I think you're, you're absolutely right, Martha, to put your finger on it. What do we do? Well, I think for, for us as, as youth workers, like, um, we, this is our moment, isn't it? This is our, mm. it may be a delayed thing. We were asking our, our youth leaders, key workers, maybe this is our moment to become key workers. Mm. Um, I think more than ever, we need to make sure we, uh, have got some idea of where our young people are at. Keep, trying to make contact with those that you've struggled to make contact with. Um, discipleship stuff is important, of course, but actually there's probably a primary kind of function now of youth work, which is, which is more about caring for the, um, the mental and emotional well-being of our young people and just making sure they're okay. Uh, mm. For sure, get them reading. I mean, I'm trying to get my young people reading the Bible at the moment, but, mm. but even more important than that right now 
is checking in on how they are and making sure they're connected um, because mm. they may have become completely disconnected. And some young people in, in my, uh, uh, it, it, just like my church here, you know, my, my youth group, we found some young people have chosen to not engage with the stuff mm. that we're doing online and we're finding it hard to connect with them. So uh, I'm yes. preaching as much to, my, to myself as anyone else, but we need to redouble our efforts to, yes. to, to make sure they stay connected somehow. That's interesting, isn't it? Because at the beginning, when the lockdown measures came in, we just very quickly realised this was about um, a culture of care. So the lots mm-hmm. of youth workers were, were doing the, ring, the everyday ringing around, weren't yeah. they? And then we sort of pl- came out of that, obviously still caring, but we're now thinking a bit more constructively, planning for next week, a bit of strategy. Yeah. Um, and it's almost like we've come back in a new way to that that culture of care getting get back yeah. on the phone this is a new I, i've been thinking that if schools are not going to be open for the vast majority of teenagers till september the chances of families going on holidays are quite rare the festivals have all stopped so mm. it, it's quite a, an open bleak summer as well isn't it mm. with the regular things aren't there so i'm just wondering martin whether we are going to see you know is there going to be little pop-up stuff that will happen in very local places will will churches get together and say we're going to do a week's festival and it's mm. limited numbers and we you know it's whatever the social distancing rules by then will be I, I don't know but it is interesting to wonder what we could do in this space that yeah. just reflects that young people need each other they don't need hundreds but yeah. they might need 20 other people around them every now and then yeah I, I mean we just don't know do we because this is stage one of uh I think they they talked about three steps last night but there, there may be more than that um and uh and so you know we could be in a situation where in july um i don't know if you saw the graphic of the cinema tickets that that touched me deeply because i thought oh hang on i might be able to go and see, see a film um but but you know it's all conditional isn't it the whole thing is that was a key word uh, in Boris's yes, speech was it's it conditional. Was. Yeah. So um so we have just to see. But as the yeah. situation continues to to change and shift, um, you know, I think you're right. I think we are moving back to that first position, which is always our primary position yes. with young people, which is to care for them. Yes. Um, yeah, so, it is. So, yeah. And I think as well, just listen out for some brilliant voices to speak into this. So I I am um, I've known Richard Passmore for a long time. Um and he's he has just turned fifty. And have you seen on social yeah, media? I have I saw it. There is cut his beard and his hair off. And what I love about Richard is that all it's like thirty four years of youth ministry. That's right. He has been consistently talking about young people on the edges and the fringes, mm. developed some brilliant stuff um, with Frontier Youth Trust and other groups but again he's he's constantly speaking again into this moment like how do we just just make sure that we are our fingers are on the pulse and this is for all of us not just for those that are doing detached youth work but I think listen out for some of those quite prophetic voices I think what I'm hearing you say Martin is that we're doing the pastoral and the practical but also that prophetic voice that we have as youth workers speaking into the nation for young mm-hmm. people and mm-hmm. to advocate for them and to cheer them on so they're speaking as well but also and I think there are more churches that probably will wake up to this over yeah. this next season I think that's going to be quite key and that's really fun. yes 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 Bless wow you. so that's wow. so, so that's a lot we've, we've talked a lot about um about the latest kind of developments and so on actually the main focus of this podcast believe it or not is something completely different um and so um, well we want to move on to our guest because thank goodness there's a guest there's a guest (laughs) because there hasn't been a guest for a while 
and uh, and we we did as you said we decided against doing yet another one on friday <laughs> without a guest so uh so we've got quite a few guests coming in uh, the next few weeks there's some quite exciting ones uh, lined up for you um but uh, but today uh, we have one of the absolute all-time favorite guests of the podcast in fact i believe she's actually i mean she's all over it and she co-hosted the podcast she's co-hosted it with me she likes to ring in when we're on the phone like yeah. if i bet you anything even though she lives in luton she'll be outside my door in a minute banging on the door trying to get in she's always she's trying to wheedle into this podcast all the way yeah so i'm worried thought, about let's, it let's give her a slot That's come right. on <laughs> so so we've got a brand new piece of research being launched uh full disclosure we were going to launch it uh just before the uh covid outbreak uh, we were yeah, just we about to we thought probably you'd have other things to think about so we've held it back for a few weeks we've got this amazing research report which is being launched today uh called we do god and i caught up with lucy earlier on and uh, and this was what she said now i'm a bit nervous about uh introducing my guest today on the youthscape podcast because i have got this kind of sneaking concern that she's after my job um but i'm gonna i'm gonna take the risk hello again welcome back to the podcast dr lucy shuka hello you are I'm trying to take your job well you are, you did co-host it with rachel didn't you I did, I did, and it was um, lots of fun. But we, but it, but it's not like you guys, you know, you guys have been podcasting together for a long time. I think it would take a long time to get up to the quality of banter that you guys have achieved. So you know, I'm, it'll take me a while. I mean, I'm not denying that I'm trying to steal your job, but all I'm saying is you're probably safe for at least a year or so. Wow, that was that was devastatingly honest. Thank you. Um, so it's also let's be let's be fully honest about this. We have already done this interview once before, we um, and we recorded it, I think, about a week before uh, the sort of first round of, um, I don't think we quite went into lockdown, but certainly we closed the office at Youthscape and people were starting to realise life is about to change. Um, yeah. And I, I, I'd love to dig out the, the clip um, because I think there was a moment where we went, oh, well, who knows how this is going to pan out. We could all, you know, have to not be at work for a couple of weeks. Um, <laughs> and uh, oh, here we are now. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, um, and so we were talking then about the, um, the new piece of research from the Centre uh, for Research, the Youthscape Centre for Research, which was about to launch. It was just about to launch about a week later. And obviously we decided not to do that because this uh, pandemic suddenly hit and worsened in a much bigger way than any of us had anticipated. Um, and so uh, we didn't launch it then. And so we've held it off, but we are going to launch it now. And so you and I are going to have, once again, the same conversation, but I think an even more dynamic version of that conversation. Yeah. Um, so, so Lucy, why don't you tell us about the new piece of research? Okay. Well, it's called We Do God, and uh, it's, it's about practice. It's about the things that we actually do. So that's both as individuals, as Christians, but also the things that we do with young people. And um, I suppose we're talking about that group of things you might call spiritual disciplines, or you might call them yeah, Christian practices, but they are... That it's like it's not the ideas, it's not the concepts, it's the things that if you know if you were following me around for 
a week or a month, please don't do that. But if no. you were and you you were just, you know, watching what I actually did, it's it's the putting into practice of um of my faith. Um so we we were exploring kind of the role of practice in contemporary youth ministry because I suppose it's it's become a bit fashionable in some quarters, hasn't it, to talk about these sorts of things, even though it's really old. You know, often we talk about ancient practices and the wisdom of ancient practices. Yeah. But, yeah. but we've been exploring at Youthscape whether you can sort of connect this conversation happening in Christendom about these ancient practices with, with work with young people who have no idea about Christianity at all, you know, don't have any understanding of this kind of big story of God, are probably not going to be super interested in a, in a presentation about why Christianity is you know, intellectually defensible. Um, but would it work to, to give them things to do and to experiment with, to show them through their own experience that, um, that Christianity is a way to live that brings life and helps them encounter God? And so Eastgate team have been kind of thinking about that question for a while and trying different things out. You guys in the innovation team wrote Shuffle, which of course was kind of all about experience. Um, but I was but I was told to go away and kind of do some research about this when I first joined the team to say, well, do these do these kind of spiritual experiments work? What is this? What is this practice thing? And so that's what's led us to uh, launching this piece of research. Um, it's it's a survey. So we surveyed 235 Christian youth workers. Uh, we found 13 case studies, so projects or people that were um, inviting young people who aren't part of churches in particular to experiment or explore Christianity through doing things together. Um, and, and we also sort of just went reading in existing literature and books about about what this practice thing is. So we brought all that together in this, in this big new report um, and it's out this week. That was a very uh, concise and helpful summary. Thank you, uh, Lucy. Oh, so, you're welcome. The context, as you say, in youth ministry is, um, first of all, lots of people have been doing some things in this area for a while. So we're not saying, hey, we've invented spiritual practices or even spiritual practices with young people. You know, lots of people have been doing it and you have collated some of that stuff together so that's part of the context but also i think it would be fair to say there's a growing concern amongst some members of the youth ministry community that we are struggling to connect evangelistically with young people through traditional approaches that like you know the caricature would be um apologetics based evangelism mm-hmm. um, and so that's some of the context and some of why I personally think this is so interesting and vital. We're not, we're not claiming that we're writing the first word on this at all, but we are trying, starting to bring together some of the interesting stuff that, that other, others have done. Have I got that right? Yeah, I think, I think that's right. I think we've, we've joined in a conversation and we're trying to amplify it, really. We're, we're trying to um, facilitate a deeper look at this thing through, through actually holding a mirror up to the youth work community and saying okay this is what you've told us about about what you understand this practice thing is and what you actually do and and what you do with young people and where are their gaps around all that kind of stuff and I think I think yes we're we're not even saying that this is some kind of new um, model that exclusively has the answer to kind of how how to engage young people in Christian faith because 
you know, there, there are great examples of apologetics stuff in the more traditional um, yes. style that are really dynamic and really, really engage certain types of young people. Um, I think what we're saying is there is this very, very broad shift that has happened over, you know, over decades, really, towards secularization. But over the last 20 to 30 years, it has, that, that secularization has really kind of bedded in. That means um, that, that we just, we don't have those residual narratives about Christianity. Um, a lot of the practices that would have been there around church attendance or certain festivals have all just become unanchored from the Christian story. And so um, these things that would once have been probably quite ritualistic or even legalistic have the chance to be reimagined as things that actually bring life to young people who maybe don't have any of those sorts of experiences or or routines or ways to kind of make meaning of their lives. So I think there's there's something about um, the role of practice in, in our secular society that's really important to understand. Um, it's not going to be enough by itself. I think one of the things that comes through in the report is we've got to think about how the practice and the story fit together and the community. You need You need a community of practice. You need people who are really doing the things that Jesus said to do um, mm-hmm. as a follow to be a follower but you also need to make sense of it in terms of the lot you know the long sweep of Christian history and the theology and so so that it kind of makes sense all together um, but I think we we just recognize that maybe that that practice bit had been it's maybe been a bit underwhelming in some of our experience of church I mean I don't know about about you Martin but I think I feel like I've um, been leaning towards this much more myself in the last 10, 10 years or so, realizing like I, I've sat through hundreds and hundreds of hours of sermons. But the thing that I'm really interested in is people being able to see in my life and how I live that I, I worship Jesus. Um, yeah. And so that's, and, and, you know, that's the prize, isn't it? That's the thing we're really going for is discipleship. That, exactly, exactly that. That does seem uh, very biblical in a sense you know this is how people will know that that you're my followers that you love one another so it's about the way that you live your life this you know um come follow me essentially was not a uh, uh, a challenge to learn a list of statements it was uh, an invitation to replicate a lifestyle right so it's right there in the words of Jesus. This model is not. It's not even. It's not even ancient in the sense of some monks uh, yeah. practice this. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's um, it's actually right there in the in the words of the New Testament in put in Jesus's mouth. So um, so yeah, I, I agree with you. I think this is um, this is a really exciting area to be exploring and and looking into. And I think you've done some really interesting work. Um, I know we don't want to spoil it for people, um, but can you give us a couple of sort of highlights from um, the report? Because it's, I mean, it's a chunky old tome as well. We're not talking about two sides of A4 here. It's a huge, great big document, isn't it? So can you give us just a couple of highlights before we find out how people can get hold of this? Yeah, sure. well, maybe I could start by telling you something about what we learned about youth workers practice themselves. And, and I do that because I think this, this way of thinking about discipleship, probably more than any other, uh, means that we can't really get away with 
telling young people what they should think or do. <laughs> we, we have to go first. And so what we actually practice and the breadth of what we experience ourselves, that's where we have to start. And so one of the things we did is we presented these kind of this list of 21 practices, which is not comprehensive because I'm sure we missed a few out. So it's not like the final word, but we said, you know, what are you intentionally engaging in of these 21? And on average, across the whole group, people said about 13, which was interesting. Um, but there was a really significant gap between what was at the top of that and what was at the bottom. And what was at the top are probably the, the kinds of things that um, you would imagine. So right at the top was um, attending church or kind of Christian groups worship and singing, uh, prayer, studying scripture, um, and serving others. So they were kind of the, the top five. And, and I wondered if part of the reason they're at the top, I mean, they are, they're obviously very significant, important Christian practices. That's it's a huge reason that, 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 that they are. Of course. But there are also ones that are probably expressed through going to church services. Yes. So I also think that probably, you know, reflects the way we organise our lives around kind of Sunday services. But then there were, there were the same ones that kept appearing at the bottom of that list as well, the slightly unpopular ones. Do you want to, do you want to guess what's right at the bottom of the list? Oh, now, I, I, the thing is, I've, I've already done this interview once, and so I could, I could cheat if only I didn't have the memory of a goldfish. So no, this is actually the best. <laughs> at, at the bottom of the list of practices i well i, I know lament was on the list so was it lament uh, it's, it's a good guess it was in the definitely in the bottom five it's fasting fasting uh, is at the bottom of every single list <laughs> well um, is that a surprise it probably isn't is it um but speaking speak as a man who's gone nine weeks without a, a McDonald's, I am uh, not surprised at all. Um, so fasting is right at the bottom there. Lament, yeah, you're right, actually. Lament was really far down as well. We kind of define that as expressing grief or suffering. Um, resting, so <laughs> having some kind of Sabbath practice was right down at the bottom. Mm. Um, and also living simply, so a sense of um, trying to constrain our lifestyle for the sake of simplicity. Mm. Um, so... So it was interesting to see that there was this kind of big gap between what's at the top and, and what's at the bottom. And that tended to be reflected in what we then, what we invite young people to experience, but also what we teach them about. So the things that we are most, most likely to teach young people about are the things that we do lots of ourselves. Mm. Um, and the things we're not really going to tell them about are the things we don't do that much of ourselves. Mm. Uh, so it's, in some ways, it, it just bears out that point, doesn't it? That um, it is really important what we do because young people will see and they'll follow and we'll talk about it as well. So I guess one takeaway is that these, these practices, um, I think they, they capture in their diversity all this richness about who God is and the kind of life that we are invited to experience mm. and that includes the highs so you've got celebration in there um, which I think when we think about that as a Christian practice it has all this wealth actually and all this kind of richness in that idea you have like these highs of celebration and these lows of um, being able to engage with the idea of suffering um, but that's that's not a kind of flat thing about just saying I'm having a crap day. That's about something that's actually really significant. Mm. And we see all through scripture, how do we acknowledge pain and how do we bring that into conversation with God? 
So there's all this wealth there that we are maybe not experiencing. And it's a bit like we've got this, um, I imagine it a bit like having a, it's a, like a diet of practice that's limited. Like we're mm. being invited to feast, but we're all up at one end of the table, kind of just eating the same kinds of food. I think that's very interesting. So um, I wonder how uh, many people listening to this will, will respond to that, really. Uh, it, to some extent, it's a challenge. Uh, to some extent, we fall into habits, don't we? So like you said, the... Um, uh, there's no coincidence that those top practices are also um, the sorts of things that we tend to do when we go to church. Um, and so maybe there's a little bit of an encouragement there to try some, some different ways of connecting with God. Um, I know things like um, uh, Richard Foster's uh, Celebration of Discipline, which I, is a fantastic book that everyone's attempted to read once uh but sometimes uh he's quite um he's quite tough going to read it more than once martin yeah well many people have tried to climb that particular mountain but um but it's not easy reading um but uh, but but you know richard foster dallas willard others have tried to um try to bring out some of these other spiritual disciplines spiritual practices and i wonder whether we just don't I wonder if we just don't think to do it or we don't know. We don't, you know, no one's ever sat and explained Christian meditation to us or how simplicity or fasting can work as a, as a practice. Um, mm. So I wonder whether it's just a, a little bit of a, um, there may even, I was going to make a sort of fasting joke here, but there may be a hunger for this sort of stuff, um, but, but a need for resources and education around it. I don't know. I think you're absolutely right because, you know, the truth is it's hard for us to imagine the shape of Christian living that we've never seen. We go, we go to another, we go to another church or we go to another culture and we see people expressing their faith in a different way. And, and it kind of fires our imagination. We, we see something different, but, but we, we tend to be formed in the way that, um, you know, the immediate culture around us with it, with its limits. And so if really Christianity is about, going to church, sitting and listening to some ideas, singing some songs, and then going home again and trying to be a good person, that is what we will form, you know, that's the shape of the disciples will form. Um, but if it is, dare I say, you know, more radical than that in terms of the, the whole of our life and what it points to about a coming kingdom, you know, with, with justice and equality and mm. reconciliation of all kinds, um, if, if we have a if we have a richer, deeper, broader view of discipleship, it's not that we, it's not, it's not putting on a greater burden saying like, just do loads more stuff. Um, I think it's, it's more about kind of fracturing and reforming our idea of what it means to be Christian. Um, and, and I think, you know, probably to something that's much more exciting and much more energizing when, when you think about like, if you're going to do this for the rest of your life, <laughs> you <laughs> may as well do something that um is dynamic and um life-giving and has diversity in it as well yeah. so so i think it's not all about what we do i think you're right we should also look to the cultures we're in and say well this might be tricky for me to do if actually um everything in my church culture is just pulling me towards just attend the meeting and that's enough yeah yeah Okay, so uh, we don't want to spoil the whole report, obviously, but there's quite a lot of it. So could you maybe give us um, another key finding or another big area that you looked at? 
Yeah, sure. So we also asked youth workers what they had invited young people to experience or put into practice themselves. And we contrasted that with um, what they had taught young people about. So meaning more verbal teaching, uh, just wanting to look at whether there was a difference between what we what we teach young people about in terms of practice and what we actually invite them to experience. Mm. And as I mentioned already, so the top five practices that youth workers have taught young people about are those kind of classic ones around studying scripture, um, prayer, forgiveness is up there in the top five, and um, serving others. And the ones that are right at the bottom of what we teach young people about are those those kind of trio that I mentioned before, fasting, resting, and living simply. We're just not teaching young people about those practices wow. at all. But there's also some important differences around what we teach young people about in different contexts. So we, we asked about um, what do you do with young people who are part of churches and what do you do with young people in the wider community who don't have a Christian faith? Mm. And maybe unsurprisingly, evangelism is up there at the top of what we teach young people within churches about. Yep. While for those who aren't part of churches, it is loving your enemies and challenging injustice. Hmm. Uh, so we, the things that we sort of say, this is what it means to be a kind of Christian are maybe not surprisingly different in those two um, camps. And there are also some differences when it comes to experience that are quite interesting. So youth workers were most likely to help young people who aren't part of churches experience the practice of celebration, followed by hospitality and then followed by prayer. Whereas if you're working with young people within churches, you are helping them experience worship, prayer, attending church and studying scripture. And so even just thinking about what is it that you first encounter um, in those different environments and then what's it like if you go from kind of encountering Christians in the community and then you go to a church environment, mm. do the practices change? Um, you know, in terms of what you first encounter and what that's like for you. Well, hang on, let's just pause there a second because that um, that's really very interesting. So, potentially, this is go I'm going to draw a little caricature here, but okay. tell me if this is uh, inconsistent with what you just said. So, um, I might be a young person uh, who's been evangelised too. And so the message I have received is a sort of social gospel. Yeah. Um, and what I'm told is essentially join this, join this movement to change the world. And we're going to have a big, we're going to have a big role to play in, in challenging injustice and things like that. that's going to be what, what we're going to do together. And then I join the church and I get a different picture when I'm inside, which no longer talks about, so much about that right yeah. uh, but instead focuses me on some core religious practices that i need to uh some behaviors that need to change around different practices so that yes. that potentially is a little fracture isn't it well it's well it's certainly interesting so i mean yeah the if so nearly 50 percent, 49 percent um of these youth workers said that they taught young people in the community about challenging injustice over the last couple mm. of years um, so it's not that you won't hear about that when you go into a church context because 65% said they'd taught young people in churches about challenging injustice. Mm -hmm. It's just more that, you know, 80, 80 or 90% of them had said, 
but I've also I've talked to them about scripture and I've talked to them about worship and I've talked to them about prayer. So okay. whereas okay. it's at the top of what you talk to young people in the community about, it's kind of halfway down the down the list when when you get into church. Um, you would sense that you know young people are very uh, well attuned to um, authenticity, aren't they? So you would sense a shift in the importance placed on those things. Yeah, I think you would. Um, you know, one of the one of the practices that does translate across contexts is prayer, and I think that's quite interesting. Mm. So, when you go to the report, you'll see this this Venn diagram that I've created. So we ask, kind of, you know, here's this list of twenty one practices. If you had to pick your top five that are most important for um, being faithful to the teachings of Jesus, what would you pick? And then we said, uh. which which would you pick? What, what would be your top five for helping young people form a sense of Christian identity? And then the third thing we said was, okay, well, what would be your top five when it comes to what's attractive to young people outside the church? Just, you know, trying to test out this idea, perhaps, that we lean towards these practices for different reasons. We have an instinct about what they do when we engage in them. Prayer is in the top five for being faithful to Jesus' teachings and for forming Christian identity. The one that you can see that's in the top five of all of those is service or serving others. Okay. And so when you're talking about this kind of social gospel, um, that, that kind of serving or blessing other people, that's the one that, that youth workers thought, well, service is incredibly important for forming christian identity it's also important if we're going to be faithful to jesus teachings but it's also something that's really attractive to young people which is interesting Mm. and so um whereas some of these you you know worship and singing is not deemed to be attractive to young people and it's not seen as being as important for being faithful to jesus teachings you know did he tell us to sing lots of songs um Mm. no not necessarily but we do think it's important for forming Christian identity. Um, and so I think that when you go and look at that in the report, you get an idea of um, how we as a youth work community are using these practices in slightly different ways. Mm. Uh, so that's some of what we learned about, uh, you know, what we're doing with, with kind of young people. And, and I think there's a theme in that report about where we are teaching more than we are inviting young people to experience mm. and also where that's flipped around as well where we are doing things but we're not really ever explaining why it is that we do it that way and so one of the things that I do in this report is just say you know here are some of the most significant gaps uh, maybe we need to close these a little bit so 65% of youth workers said, I am teaching young people in church about challenging injustice. 42% had actually helped young people challenge injustice. 74% said, I am teaching about forgiveness. But only 49% said, I've helped young people forgive. Uh. So there are a number of areas where there's just this gap and we need to, well, yeah, we, I think we probably need to narrow it, don't we? We need to link together the talking and the doing. Yeah, preach what you practice and practice what you preach. That is the sort of sum 
headline title that we could have given this report. But um, there's there's lots more to it, and so I mean, it is it nearly runs to a hundred pages, if not a hundred pages, um, and uh, it is a fantastic piece of work. You'll find in it uh, a whole bunch of kind of key findings. I think what's really helpful is the way that the thing is is laid out. I don't know how many it runs to, but there's a whole bunch of interesting kind of different talking points that you draw out. So you could honestly spend you know uh, an entire sort of uh, you could I'm not, I was I nearly went too far there they said you spend a lifetime you probably couldn't spend a lifetime on it but you could spend a good period of time working through each of those talking and thinking points on your own or with a team um, and uh, and and there's case studies in there and there's uh, there's some different voices in there I would like to thank those who kind of uh, let me go and talk to them and, and young people as well who, who talked about what it was like to experience this kind of practice-based approach to discipleship as well. So the survey does the work of sort of saying, here's the mirror, here's where we are, youth work community. What the case study section does is say, okay, if you wanted to shift your your youth ministry more in the direction of practice, what mm-hmm. would you need to think about? What are the kind of design features? What are the lessons that others have learned through doing this already? And so there's some real richness in that bit too. Um, so together it makes kind of that nice balanced conversation. And uh, And people can get hold of the physical copy or they can get a download, or they can get a sample. Um, Lucy, just one other thing. I'd love you to do a little impassioned plea or plug for the Thursday 3x3. So you've been doing this for um, the last five or six weeks um, on the Youthscape uh, coronavirus blog. Just, um, you know, why are you doing that and why should people fill it in every week? I think, so we've started asking just three questions a week from week one of lockdown because I think I wanted to have a record that's one reason we wanted to have a record of this very this you know highly unique time that we're in and the kinds of conversations that we were having week by week because the questions change reflecting the wider national conversation the conversation that youth workers are having amongst themselves so there's a record there of what this time's been like but also to create a bit of conversation across that youth work community um it you know it can be isolating at the best of times to be a youth worker but what if you're furloughed and then you can't see any and you, know, you can't go to the conferences and so um if you if you share your experiences on a, on a thursday on the monday you get to go and read about what your peers and colleagues have also found and, and just get a sense of what's going on for other people um and and i think one of the things i i've loved whenever we ask the kind of question at the end of it you know, is there anything else you want to tell us then inevitably someone will say thank you so much for asking this question um, because I'm reflecting on things I wouldn't have thought about before. And so hopefully it's also just a touch point to, to help you pause and reflect on what it means to be a youth worker in this you know, crazy time. Um, and also, you know, it's so that we've got some more, more voices alongside the Martins and Rachels of the world. We, we need to hear about your experience as well. People have had quite enough of that over the last uh, nine weeks, I can tell you. Well, um, but uh, yeah, you can you can find that every Thursday, and then it's up until the end of the weekend, I think, uh, on our live blog, youthscape.co.uk 
forward slash coronavirus or we share it on social media please do take just a couple it literally takes a couple of minutes to fill it out um, but the more answers we get the more responses you get each week the bigger clearer a picture we have of what's really going on for you uh, and we are doing it for you that uh, that is as lucy said that's why we're doing it we're, we're trying to give ourselves as a as a youth ministry community a clearer picture of what life is like uh, particularly during this strange period of uh, pandemic lucy thank you so much for giving up your time um i know you came straight out of a sort of a 12-hour meeting uh, on zoom <laughs> To go, to go straight into this call on Zoom. So thank you. Um, and, uh, and encourage everybody to check that out. It's called We Do God and it is out today. Uh, you can find it on the Youthscape website, youthscape.co.uk forward slash research. Great. So um, the, uh, the big piece of information you need is that you can download a free sample of the research uh, from our website. Website? What's a website? <laughs> It's on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> From our website. Uh, it's youthscape.co.uk slash research. You can get a free sample of the summary document for free, or you can, uh, you can get the download for £5, or you can splash out. Come on, you haven't spent any money on anything else over the last eight weeks. Uh, you can get the printed report. It looks beautiful, the printed report, yeah. by the way. Yeah, everyone should have one. Uh, that's £10 and will get posted to you straight away. Uh, from the elves who are now living in our offices. That's uh, amazing. Don't, don't you think this is one of those bits of research that is going to bear much fruit, for want of a better phrase, for the next couple of years? I mean, I think it, just like, just like um, Losing Heart had that, you know, we all read it and we were cut to the heart and we're like, things have got to change. I've got a feeling this is going to do the same because it is essentially, it's one of those models one, isn't it? Like, yeah. what, it, what is at the heart of what... What is our emphasis? What are we actually doing here? And I think it's going to be really reassuring to many youth workers. You're like, mm. you're on the right track. Mm. It'll, it'll really give you some kind of art, way to articulate what you do and, and get it to the church leaders. Like we've got to be getting this stuff outside of the youth work tribe and into the hands of leaders across our networks and denominations. So, um, yeah, so if you have a, a budget, splash it. Yeah, ten pounds. That's right. Um, That's I think budget. it's a really exciting piece really of research, yeah. and and especially if you're somebody who's saying, you know, some of the approaches to evangelism that we've tried uh, or discipleship with young people haven't really worked. Mm. I think, as you say, lots of people affirm what they're already doing. For others, it'll be like, oh, this is mm. actually what we needed. Um, mm. So it's called We Do God. You can get it from the Youthscape website, youthscape.co.uk forward slash research, um, really? and there's videos and all sorts on there. Um, that's probably enough, isn't it, for another Youthscape podcast, sadly? I think it is. Yes, I think so, it is. What are you going off to do now, Rachel? Well, my lovely eight-year-old is, uh, <laughs> about an hour ago, I said to her, I'm going to go and uh, talk to Martin on the Zoom. She said, I'll have you by an hour then. And I said, you're not going to be on screens because I want to try and re redeem today a little bit and get off a screen. So she said, I'm going to go and do some cooking. So I've left my eight-year-old <laughs> for an hour and she's cooking apricots, pastry cake. I mean, can I just say, I am the sort of mother, sorry, not the sort of mother, they don't exist. I am somebody who does not teach my children how to cook because I cannot do it. So my child is currently doing something that I have never, ever done. She's wow. never seen anyone do this. She is being an adventurer in the kitchen. Are there, any other, are there any other adults in the house? No, no other adults in the house. No. Right, I better let you go then, Rach. Yes, I'm gonna get that. It smells good. I'm gonna say she's she's very good. <laughs> so I'm gonna ah, go. Great. Bless you, 
Martin, bless her. Oh, she's coming now. Look at that. Here she's come. Is this glass? Oh, my goodness. Is this glass oven proof? There we go. That's a question I can answer. No idea. Let's Google it. Right. Take care, Martin, and all you lovely youth workers. We love you. <laughs> Bye.